Now, for the show that brings combat sports stories to life from the great state of Ohio, this is Forged in Ohio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special episode 33 of Forged in Ohio. My name is Jake Murren, and I'm the host of the podcast. Look, I've had 30 different combat sports athletes join me on Forged in Ohio so far, and the reason why today's show is so special is because I'm being joined by the first female mixed martial artist on the show. It's long overdue, and I've had my eyes on a few women in the sport, and now I'm incredibly grateful to be joined by not any female in combat sports, but one that is truly fascinating. She has an incredible backstory that I can't wait to get into, and she's one of many great fighters out of Ohio competing on June 16th at LFA 160. Without further ado, let's bring in Jade Sheely. Thanks for coming on the show, Jade, and welcome to Forged in Ohio. Hello, I'm excited to be here. Definitely uh, ready to dig into some stuff. Yeah, as am I. I'm so happy that you were able to join me. And again, the first female, I couldn't think of a better female mixed martial artist to join me on Forge in Ohio. I definitely want to get into your upcoming bout at LFA 160. But before that, I want to dive into your backstory a bit in this combat sports journey that you're living right now. I know your dad was a fighter. So what was it like growing up with your dad who was competing and how that inspired you to get into fighting as well? Yeah. So I joke when people ask me, like, how'd you end up doing this? I use the metaphor, like, if I hadn't grown up in the sport, I would think it was fucking crazy. Like, it's just like we're going, we're getting punched in the face for fun. Like, I I don't get how people (laughs) want to do it. Like, I wouldn't do skydiving, but this is my adrenaline. Um, But yeah, I grew up, my dad was fighting. I remember being like six years old, watching him fight Kung Lee. He was traveling Korea, Japan, all over the place, California. And then in high school, most of the time I was in high school, he was in California helping Kung with his camps for UFC. And I was like, man, like, I want to, like, this is the kind of job I want to do. Like, and he was doing like stunts and movies and working with John Claude Van Damme, like, all because of the fighting, you know, it led into a lot of different opportunities. And I was like, I don't want to have a freaking nine to five and be miserable. But it kind of backfired because he did not want me to fight. Um, It's funny because I see like a lot of family dynamics and they're always like, oh, yeah, my, you know, they wanted me to follow in the footsteps. And he was totally did not want me to fight at all. My first I think I had my first amateur fight at 19. I'm 29 now. And I had always been training and he never took me seriously. And I had a random girl I went to high school walk into the gym and he was getting her a fight and I was like I want to fucking fight like (laughs) he's like you really want to do it and he didn't like train me for my first four amateur fights like didn't tell me what to eat how to cut weight like what to do nothing wasn't even in my corner and then after my fourth one he's like okay you can hang like I tried to convince you not to do it and uh so that's kind of where I started and I've stuck with it Yeah, so you were truly born into the sport. I was going to ask, like, how receptive he was of you getting into MMA, because I feel like a lot Mm. of fighters nowadays want their kids to do anything but follow in their Uh, footsteps. When did he eventually come around to you competing in MMA? Literally, like, two years ago, because (laughs) I sat him down. I'm like, dude, you're going to have to get over it. Like, this is what I want to do. I don't care if you think I suck or I'm not ready enough for like all the, you know, like I don't have to tell you, but everyone knows the chances and the risks that come with fighting and going all in. And I was like, it's too, you're not going to convince me otherwise. So we need to do it because I'm also, I mean, we'll get into like 
you know, me being a deputy and everything, there's certain job opportunities that I haven't taken like since college, just because, okay, I couldn't fight if I do this, or if I take this job, I know I can't travel. I can't take time off. So I've, you know, I've sacrificed a lot to be able to fight. Um, I just want to, I don't want to be 80 and regret like, fuck, I, you know, I could have done something with that. So I, I sat him down. I was like, you have to get over it. Like, what's up? Do you think I suck? He's like, no, I just don't want you. <laughs> Couldn't you have been a doctor? Like fighting is for, we're dumb. Like, you know, smart people don't want to go fight. There's, there's other ways to make money. The money's not in it. So it, all the common stuff, but he finally came around. Uh, we're on the same page now, which makes my camps go way easier. There's not a lot of headbutting as there was the last few, but yeah, he did not want me to do it. <laughs> and now that he has come around, what does it mean to you to have him as your coach and be with you for every step of your combat sports career so far? At at first, it because obviously like he's always been my coach and it's, it's interesting seeing our dynamic now because when I was younger, I mean, just like any person with anything, I always wanted to challenge like what he said. And I'm like, no, like I'll do it my way. Just being in Ohio, I've trained all over, just cross training different gyms and saying I was going to try it a different way. But I always come back to like what he's done. And he's like, I don't have to sit here and tell you my resume, like who I've worked with and like what I've done. He's like, this is this is what works the best. These, you know, you can go do it a different way, but it's going to be more difficult. So now that we're on the same page and I kind of quit being so hard headed and was like, okay, you might be, you might know a little something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, it's a lot more fluent, like with uh, how we communicate with things. We're on the same page. If you were to put yourself like in his footsteps and in the future, if you want to have kids, would you encourage them to get into fighting or would you be like your dad was and say, hey, no, go be a doctor, go do something else? <laughs> I don't know. Um, when I was younger, I really wanted kids, but I, I don't it's not that I don't want kids now. It's just I'm not I'm not like, oh, I'm going to have kids one day. It's just it's kind of what, what whatever uh, right now I don't see a kid anytime soon just being a female like I joke all the time okay like who's gonna watch this kid while I'm training like uh, and who's I gotta take a year off to make the kid and then I gotta raise it for a little bit like I don't have time to have a kid so maybe down the road I don't know but I do think if I did I don't think about this a lot because of that but if I did I think I'd want them to because mm. I love this sport and I love all of it. I love like if they just wanted to do jujitsu or just boxing, like I think it's so fun and it's a really good um, just release of energy and I love watching it. So I would obviously want my kids to like wrestle or do some kind of combat sport. Yeah, I mean, that would be great, too, to keep the family tradition going of, of fighters yeah. in the Sheely family, too. You yeah. mentioned kind of like there's a Sheely kid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You mentioned kind of watching it and stuff like that. Did you watch a lot of combat sports other than your dad growing up? And did you ever get inspired by a fighter watching growing up as well? What's funny is I didn't like even while I was fighting, I really didn't watch a lot of UFC because I've was always working on the weekend. So I would miss the cards. I was a bartender in college, so I could never just like watch the fights. I would watch if our guys were fighting. Like we've had a lot of like a couple guys, at the gyms have been UFC or like Forrest when he was fighting. Kai always watched Kongs, obviously like my teammates and stuff. But when I was younger, I didn't watch it as much. Like 
I was like, there's so many. Like, how do these randos that don't even train know every fighter and, like, their style and their record? I'm like, I don't even have time. I'm trying to figure out my style and, like, my game plan. But, yeah, I was never that person that's like, oh, I look up to Ronda Rousey. I mean, if I had to pick one, maybe her. Because I remember watching that fight, like, in college and after hearing Dana being like, women will never be in the UFC. And then watching her and I was like, oh, he's going to eat his words. And now, like, the women are out here banging and bringing in a lot of views. So it's it definitely a lot has changed since I got into it. Yeah, of course. And you have an incredible story of how you got into combat sports. I know you also have a lot of experience competing in Brazilian jiu-jitsu as well. How much have mm-hmm. you enjoyed those experiences and, and having Ronin and Vitor Oliveira coach you in that discipline? I I love it. There's a lot of aspects to it. So I've known Vitor for maybe like since I was 17, 18, when I used to go to the old Ronin. And I remember it's vague because I was, it was right before college. I went to OU and I remember going to the Nogi class and he was like, you suck. Um, I need you to do the gi because you're crazy. And I had no clue. And my dad refused. I was like, how do I buy a gi? Like, what do I like? Do I order a belt? Like, what? It, how does this work? And uh, I ne- didn't put a gi on until 2017. I was training with Vanessa Demopoulos a lot, and she was like, here, I have an old one. You can try it out. And then the reason I finally got it is because I had a fight um, in Columbus. I think it was against Larkin. And I was on the ground in half guard on my back, and I was like, I don't remember a goddamn thing. Like, I don't remember, like, none of my instincts kicked in. I was like, if this was pro, I'd be getting elbowed in the face. Like, I gotta get some jujitsu. So after that fight, I started training at Ronin, and it's it's made me so more confident. I was terrified to get taken down before, and now I'm complete opposite. When you have a coach like that just tell you straight to your face that you suck or, you know, you're not <laughs> where you need to be, how does that make you feel as a beginner? Does it motivate you to get better or is it kind of demoralizing there at first? No, it's funny because my dad is like that and I've, we have a balance now, but man, it was, it's been tough love my whole, you know, childhood and into sports. It's like basically preparing me for the real world because I mean, especially my job now, but that's another story, but yeah, Vitor was just like, you suck. And if I'm doing something wrong, he'll straight up tell me. He's not going to lie to me, but there's different parts to that. Like I'm a athlete that's going into a cage and someone's trying to beat me. Like it's not a, Oh, we're going to go do a little fun competition and you know, we're friends after. So they're being real with me. Like, Hey, do you want to get better? Do you want me to lie to you? So I would prefer someone to do that. And I had a corner once, like one of my beginning fights and he was like, you're doing good. And I was like, no, I'm not like, (laughs) don't lie to me. You need to like, tell me I'm, doing shitty and I need to get together. I need pumped up. So I like the tough love. That's more my style. Yeah, it definitely sounds like you respond well to that tough love as well. And I've had many people (laughs) on the show talk about how much they've developed by training at Ronin and having that guidance by top level guys like Vitor Oliveira. Once again, this is Jade Sheely with us on Forge in Ohio. You mentioned it here and there, but I'd say it's pretty well known that you work in law enforcement as well. I don't want to get anything wrong here. So what is your current role in law enforcement? So I'm a road patrol deputy sheriff for Champaign County and I work second shifts at three to 11. And if anyone doesn't know where Champaign County is, it's like 
out in the boonies so we see some crazy stuff out here it's not like downtown city life it's more like wild wild west car crashes horses and drugs and domestics so you get a little bit of everything over here at work interesting so i know your father inspired you to get into combat sports but what was your inspiration to get into law enforcement honestly i was forced at first um it's it's a funny story. I like it now, but I would have never, if you would ask me if I was going to be a cop, it, no freaking way. I went to OU for criminology, sociology, and halfway through, I was like, I hate this. I don't want to do it. I don't want to be a cop or a lawyer, but I was the first person in my family to go to college. So I just didn't really know what I was supposed to do or like how to pick a job. And so I thought about switching halfway through. It's a longer story, but I stuck with it. I get out of college and I'm bartending in short North and Columbus, making a ton of money. So great money. I'm training. I'm only working a couple of days a week. And my dad was like, you need to, this is when he didn't want me to fight. And he's like, you need to build your resume. Cause if you break both your hands or, and you can't fight ever again, like, what are you going to have to offer for anyone? So I was like, okay. And he um, was actually teaching. He teaches the defensive tactics at the police academy I went to. He's like, you just need to go through, see if you like it. If you don't, at least it's a certification. It shows that, like, you have some kind of value other than just a degree. And then I went through and I actually liked it. I realized it wasn't just making traffic stops, like, and annoying people. I actually get to do fun stuff. (laughs) And then uh, when I started with Champaign County, it just it's we're so busy it's not like i don't even really have a lot of time to make traffic stuff so i get to do other fun stuff so it's funny how i ended i would have never thought i was going to be a cop but here i am <laughs> what would you say that you enjoy most about the job helping people i love helping people i think that is just like my calling in helping change people's mindsets like i show i I mean, it's a common thing, but we show up on people's worst days. Like, I try to joke with them. I'm like, don't apologize. Like, if the cops are at your house, you're probably not having your best day. So I get to see a lot of different things. And it, the gratitude that comes from that, too, of just like, I like I could have been ended up like any of these people, just like with my background, my family, like it could have easily been me. So I like to help people, inspire people. And just like the other aspect of it, it's not inside. I'm so like, go, go, go. I like to talk and meet new people. So there's no like sitting in an office besides the paperwork at the end of the night, but I get to move around and not be stuck like on a computer all day. Yeah. And I love that perception of the job and showing up on people's worst days and everything like that as well. Talk about your MMA training and background, and has that helped you in combat sports become the deputy sheriff that you are today? Oh, yeah. I, it's funny. I'd, I've been on the road for almost five years, I think four and a half years now. I could count the amount of times I've had to go hands-on with people because I don't, I don't have to second-guess my skills or if I could handle myself. Obviously, like, there's always variables to everything. It's like when I'm trying to teach people stuff for, like, safety or just, like, self-defense. There's going to be always a variable. You know, someone's going to have a gun. Someone's going to have a knife. But if you are scared shitless, you know, what am I going to do if this person gets me to the ground and they're just and you have no clue? Then, yeah, you're going to act totally different. You're going to say different things. So I've just gotten really well at talking to people. I I just 
I can talk them out of a lot of things and I don't have to do a lot of paperwork by putting hands on anybody. (laughs) So definitely made me more confident. And I tell that to women all the time. I'm like, if you're going to get into this job, first off, it's, it's male dominant. Everyone's going to, um, look down on you. They're going to not think you're capable. Uh, so you have to mentally be prepared for that. And it's like public speaking. I get somewhere and I have to, uh, give a speech. People have to listen to what I say, like you're going to show up and it's going to be domestic and pe- you're going to hear people yelling and you have to kind of uh, captivate their attention so you can de-escalate the situation. So it's a lot. <laughs> I've learned a lot uh, from it in the last four years, but just, yeah, the fighting, it's just made me so much more confident where I don't need to do use like certain tools on my belt or anything because I'm not worried, you know. Right. Has there been anything that you've learned from your job that you've been able to apply to your fighting style, whether it be a technique in the gym that you apply from your job or anything like that? Uh, No, it's always been more like MMA I've applied to my job and nothing really. The only thing my job to it definitely helps with my confidence. Like and I, I actually thought about this. They I flow them back and forth of how they help each other, because it's almost like they're these are two different situations, but my body reacts the same. So if I'm going to a call and mind you like, so we're out in the County, it may take, if I'm running lights and sirens, it could even take 15 minutes to get somewhere like speeding hundred miles per hour. But if I get a really scary call and I'm like, fuck, like this is, what am I going to do when I get there? And I have to like really slow my heart rate down and think clearly and have a game plan of what, you know, option a, okay. There's no gun. You know, he's, he's being cool. Option B, like he's, somebody's got a gun to somebody's head. Like, what am I going to do? What am I going to say? The same thing when I go in the cage, it's not as like life or death, but now I'm like, I've been in these crazy terrifying situations at work. So it's like, I'm just walking in the cage to have fun. Like this person isn't actually trying to kill me. <laughs> so I've been able to calm myself down a little more before fights now and at work. How long did it take you to build that confidence and that composure out there in the field in those life and death situations when you're driving a hundred miles an hour down the road? How have you learned to develop that confidence over time? It honestly, so when we do our field training, you ride with someone and it's, you need to see what to say because there's going to be a situation and you're not going to know the, so our code laws for Ohio are called the Ohio revised code. Anyone can look these up. You can look up and see exactly the charge, the law, super simple. You can't have all these memorized. So if I go somewhere, you know, and I got to, somebody took somebody's kid. Okay. What are the actual legal rights? But I don't have time to pull up my phone and look. And I don't have that memorized because it's not something I deal with all the time. So I had to see uh, how my trainer handled a situation and I had to pull from that experience. It's like fighting. If you don't drill something or if you haven't seen it, when you go into that fight or flight situation, your brain is going to start searching for an answer and it's going to pull on past experiences. So that was the biggest thing, just trying to get like, you know, as many domestics or car crashes. What, what am I to do first? Who am I supposed to call? supposed to help first it was just you have to build confidence because if you're not confident you cannot do this job because i show up they see a little blonde girl and i have to tell some six foot two drunk guy like he's under us for ovi like Hmm. and i have to be confident or he's literally just gonna punch me in the face and not listen so very true (laughs) it's a lot (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm sure. I can only imagine. What do your coworkers think of what you do with MMA and combat sports? Yeah, um, so it's funny. I went to high school in the county I work in, and I never said I would same thing with being a cop. I was like, I'm never coming back. Like, I'm moving to Florida. I'm out of here. Here I freaking am. Um, but it really does long. Like, I like my job, and it really works with fighting, too. So I will give them that. But I, it's just funny when I think back to me being in high school. So on top of my dad convincing me, one of my one of my best friends from high school, she is a deputy for this county too. And she reached out to me like a few, this might've been 2016, 17. She's like, Hey, I want to start MMA because we're having like, I need to be more confident at work. And then she came in and was like, you really should go through the Academy. So now like long story short, we have two MMA fighters that are girls that work at the office. So, like, it, it people, I tell people that, and they're like, one, enough. And you have two females that do MMA. So they kind of were already prepped, like, I do MMA. This is this. Is this. And uh, But we joke now, like, I'm the talker. I can, like, I love when people are kind of, like, in an emotional stress state. I'm like, send me in. I'll, I can talk them off a freaking ledge. So it definitely made me more confident. And then they know, too, like, oh, shit, if Jade's going to a domestic and she gets there first by herself, like, she'll be okay before I get there, but it's definitely helped. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they understand that you can take care of yourself. And it's interesting yeah. that you have another MMA fighter at the office. Do you guys, yeah. you know, chop it up about MMA when you don't oh, have yeah. a call or anything else to get to? Yeah. So we're on different, she's actually pregnant right now with her second kid. So she hasn't fought in a while, but grow when we were both amateurs, we fought on the same cards. We were like cutting weight at the same time. So it's funny. And she does a lot more jujitsu now with, having kids and does a lot of competition. So they always know, like I walked in to the office last week and my clerk's like, how much you weigh? I'm like, (laughs) you don't want to, you don't want to know. And like, they just, the science behind cutting weight and water loading. They're like, what the, and they all know right now, like I can't eat brownies and cake. And I'm the type of girl, if I get an OVI and I have to go back and do all that paperwork, I'm eating like four snickers like not even exaggeration that's like just back to back it's disgusting how much candy i can eat so they're all a little shocked that i actually have not ate a candy bar in a while how hard is it for you to give up all those sweets and all those foods when you're in camp and training for a fight it is hard (laughs) i love it that's honestly why so this is 115 and i haven't done 115 since i was like 19 because i don't cut weight i just don't. I walk, depending on how much I eat, I'll walk anywhere from 130 to 136, like from eating like pizza and wings and stuff. And even my last fight, I joke because my dad was like, no, you're not, you're staying at 25. I've always done 25. He's like, da, da, da. I'm like, okay, have you seen the girls in the UFC at 25? I'm five, two, you know? And so I fight my last fight against Nira in LFA. And we went to weigh-ins and I mind you, like, I think, Three days before, I weighed 128, and we had to weigh, you know, I weigh 125. We get there, and he was like, after the fight, she she beat me up, too. She beat the fuck out of me. But he was like, yeah, yeah we got to go to 15. That bitch was big. She was real big. So um, it's hard dieting. I usually don't diet, but it's uh, I've learned a lot of lessons this time. So now I have some more tools in my pocket to use for the next cut, too. 
So this upcoming fight will be at Strawweight. Is that where you envision yourself, you know, five, ten years down the line, just competing at Strawweight oh, yeah. in the immediate future? I have to. I'm I'm so sure. Um, like I said, I never cut weight. Never. Like, I, there's quote-unquote cut weight, like, when I was in Amy, but it was more like, oh, fuck, I ate hamburgers all last week. Like, let me take a salt bath kind of thing. But never, like... I'm two gallon water loading and I have a nutritionist and stuff. And I've just, from all the years of fighting and, um, and just being a female, my hormones were all fucked up. So we had to work through a lot of that stuff, but I just know 15 is where I have to be. Like I can maybe do a 25, but I'm so short. And some of those girls are cutting from like, I think my last girl said she was walking in a little over 140 like fight week mm. for 125 i'm like oh cool i was 128 so. yeah. <laughs> like she's like you'll do really well at 115 i'm like yeah i gotta i gotta make some changes and get down so 115 is definitely how my future like that's where i'm gonna stay so after a cut like this and after your fight do you have a go-to food that you run to yeah. right away after your fight <laughs> i don't i don't know if i have a go-to because i'm just like Honestly, the cravings are okay right now, which is surprising. But today is like day one of sodium and water loading. I just love sweets. I'm like, I am addicted to sugar. It's insane. But my one of my dispatchers made a like brownie cookie thing a couple weeks ago. I was like, you have to make that and bring that to my fight. So that might be the first thing I eat. And I love Mexican food. Oh my gosh. Cake, donuts. All of it. So definitely sweets. But I, I'm not going to eat it after I – like not until after the fight. So I won't eat it after yeah. weigh-ins since this is like a bigger cut. I don't want to fuck up all my shit. So <laughs> <laughs> I have all that planned out so I don't just go off the deep end. I want to go back here and ask about your work-life balance with the job that you have. And I'm sure you're familiar mm -hmm. with him at Ronin. But I had Devin Gelati on the podcast not too long ago. And he's competing in MMA along with being a police officer. And we had this conversation about his lifestyle and managing everything in it. For you, mm -hmm. what's your work-life balance like with being a deputy sheriff, competing in MMA, training, and everything that it takes to do what you do on a daily basis? The only... I manage it. You know, I train when I can, but the only frustrating thing is like, I love it. It just led into this. Cause I was just dealing with this little bit. I'm a lot of people will comment like, well, you're not doing this. You're not doing that. Coaches, teammates, the people on the outside. And especially after I lost my fight, well, you should have done this. I'm like, there's more reasons. I was scared shitless in my last fight. I was so nervous. I had a four year layoff. So if I post that I'm training somewhere, like just a picture, it's people think that's all I do. I'm like, you know, you don't see everything on social media, right? Like everything I'm doing. But um, because my schedule, I work three to 11. I mean, I drive an hour to Ronan when I train an hour there, hour back before work. So I don't go to Ronan all the time, especially since they don't have MMA in the morning and I'm not going to be doing gi, but even Vitor and I, like I love Vitor. Vitor's like an uncle. He was yelling at me, like, you're never training. I'm like, motherfuckers, just because I'm not here doesn't mean I'm not <laughs> training. Like, I, you want me to do a two-hour drive to go to work and what? So I can roll around, like, do a couple rounds with these big boys? Like, no, I'm small. So I travel a lot. I train with my dad a lot. You know, my dad is actually, like, he's in there. Like, we are wrestling. We are doing rounds together. We're doing a technique, rolling. 
my dad's one of my biggest training partners because a lot of people near me cannot go train at 11 in the morning. Like it just, it doesn't work for them. And I can only train, I have a rotating schedule. I work four on two off. So there's some nights that I do train with my team, but it's always different. So, uh, yeah, I get a lot of people saying, you don't train. I'm like, dude, like I train, don't worry about what I'm doing. It's my freaking, everyone's got their own input on it. So I just try to keep my head down and put the work in. Is it hard for you to find uh, training partners that are women and also are your, your size? Yes, <laughs> it is very hard. And that's another thing. I'll, people be like, you can't stay in Ohio. You're going to have to move. And I'm just like, dude, let me like we're not even there yet. Like I won't even like I will still be working full time even in the UFC if unless I have a six fight deal and I know I'm not getting cut, you know, like then I'll go. I can manage. But right now, like I reach out a couple of different people. I have a couple smaller girls there's maybe only like three and i have girls that do i can do jiu-jitsu with i have so many at running like it's amazing um but mma wise there's just not a ton of us and honestly they like so chelsea connor is fighting on this card and she was my only loss as a amateur and we've been cool since then but she hasn't fought in a while so when i saw she was fighting i'm like dude we got to get working like I need another female my size. She used to fight at 15 too. So I've been training with her a lot. And I have a couple of girls that do MMA and then are a little more boxing now. But I've also just been not saying I know it all, but I've just been doing it so long that a lot of the girls coming up have like been fighting for a year or two and they don't, they're not challenging me enough. Like I don't want to be the best person in the room ever. Not saying that I am, but girl wise, there's just, there's not that many of us. Yeah, I think that's the right mindset to have of not being the best fighter in the room so that you yeah. can develop and that you can get better. If you make it as far as you would want to go in mixed martial arts, what would that mean for your future in law enforcement? Uh, it's funny. When I started with the sheriff's office, I was like, hey, just so you know, like in, in any job thing ever, I'm like, my plans are to be in the UFC. That's what I want. Are you OK with me being in the UFC and fighting here? Okay. And now I won't be going to part time unless, and like I told you that contract, like that has always been my plan. I will go to part time and still work, hold my commission. And then I, that's what I told my dad. That's what we got into. I was like, there are so many job opportunities I could do with law. Like, I don't want to be working the road forever. This stuff is draining. Like it is emotional. Like I'm, I'm conflict managing like therapist every day. It is emotional journey. I could, I don't know how people do this, like work the road until they're 50. No fucking way. So I won't be doing that forever. But that's the thing. I was like, I need to figure out what fighting is going to do. And then I can decide where, what direction I want to take my law enforcement career. So I've always been very upfront. I don't lie and be like, oh, I'm just going to dip out if this happens. Like they know what's going on and they know when I have a fight and make sure everyone's on the same page. Talking to Jade Sheely on Forge in Ohio. Let's finally get to your career now. You had an amazing run as an amateur spanning from 2013 to 2019 that included an amateur flyweight championship. What do you think of when you think back to your run as an amateur fighter? It's so funny. Um, I was really... The cage rust is real, dude. And I, like, I really was like, ah, no, it's not. People are just, like, they're being dumb. It was so real going into this fight. Um... And like anyone else, 
right after my so my last fight before LFA was in 2019. I tried to get some fights after everything fell through. COVID hit, and then after COVID, still couldn't get a fight. Had fucking posters out, girls backing out, couldn't get anything. And my dad and I really wanted to have another amateur fight, just to go out there, have a little fun, and try out some new things. Because you know, I started wrestling more. My whole game had changed. Uh, in a couple years and we couldn't get anything. And then finally we were like LFA called and they were like, Hey, I'm like, I don't even care who you have. I I will fight anybody at this point. Like, and then that bitch was very scary. (laughs) (laughs) She was, and I wasn't scared of her. It's so funny. Like, and she is so nice. We talk about, talk to each other all the time. I was so afraid going in my last fight of failing just like any, and every athlete goes, through that and and i've heard it all too from all of them but it's like until it's you doing it you're like oh wait like maybe i should work on that mindset but i it's like everyone was like oh you gotta fight you're back it's been four you we're so excited and i was like what if i lose like what if i lose like the lfa is such a big opportunity like it's a stepping stone for the ufc like i can't lose and i was just freaking out and i remember I got into that cage and I blacked out. I don't remember a freaking thing before she knocked me out. But (laughs) even before that, I just, I didn't even know what I did. That wasn't even my game plan. Just that fear of making a mistake. And so I was like, I, you know, stuff's going to happen no matter what when I get in that cage. So I got to just throw that out and fight. And that's what I used to do. I used to like, I used to be like, these bitches are crazy for wanting to get in the cage with me. I'm going to fuck them up. And now, like, I got to get that back. So I'm really, I'm more excited for this one. I've got my mindset a lot better. Started meditating more. So I'm I'm just trying to have fun and be grateful. Like, I get to do this. Like, my body's capable. My mind is capable. And I get to go do what I love. Right. So in your pro debut last February at LFA 152, you talk about the cage rust that you dealt with and also that fear as well. In hindsight, like how much of a learning experience was that for you moving forward in your career? Oh, it was huge. It it was huge. And but it's like it's so cliche. Like, oh, you had to lose to learn. Like, I don't want to lose to learn. I don't want to get like hit like that to learn. But I just remember I could hear my I could hear everything, you know, and my wrestling really played out. And I could, one thing we learned is my dad's like, you listen, like I, that girl, she probably like knocked me down four times and I kept getting up. And if he said, take her down, I shot. And I just like, I just was so afraid to move. I wouldn't throw an elbow on the cage and I could hold her there. I was strong. She even said, you had a really good game plan. I'm like, I don't know what I did. I don't remember like us touching gloves. I don't remember going out there because I just was so scared to make a mistake. So that's what I've got into. I got to go out, have fun, like not stress out. Like I do, I used, I never used to get nervous going into fights ever. I was so pumped. Uh, So I'm trying to carry that into this fight and just be like, I, again, I get to do this. Like not a lot of people get to do this or a lot of people have regrets later on. So I'm just going to go out there and have fun and actually fight how I usually do. There's also an incredible video of your entrance for your pro debut on social media (laughs) as you walked out to your dad's old fight song. Was that a surreal moment for you walking to the cage that night? And do you remember that part of the night at least? 
Yeah, and I didn't tell him I was doing that. And I've thought that I've had that plan since I was an amateur, and I always wanted to do it for an. I was like, no, I need to save that for my pro debut. Because like he, because he used to go to Korea, and he was like this like white boy with bleach blonde hair, and he's like they, and they called him. That's how we got Iron Tiger Fight Team. I think he said they called him the Iron Tiger because he was stiff like couldn't his dance or something he fought real stiff and he danced <laughs> but he's like it was a show you like people were there to be entertained so he would come out dancing to like something fun and i just remember watching that when i was little i think i was six when he has like a dancing video all that that i posted i remember watching that i was like i want to do that like i want people to watch me come out and have fun so definitely uh definitely was excited to finally do that what was his reaction since he didn't know Oh, he, I, I, we didn't get it filmed. And like, I actually had fam, like a few immediate, cause I was in Oklahoma. I had a few immediate family fly out, which I told them, I was like, you don't have to, like, I honestly don't want you to, I'm nervous as fuck. Like, don't even come. But <laughs> they didn't get that part, like his reaction on recording, but he, I know he was just like, of course, but he's not like a big emotional guy. Like I'm forcing him to now. I'm like, we need to like talk we're tough love like we gotta have a good balance but i know he thought it was funny fair enough well you compete next on friday june 16th at lfa 160 against diamond long who's owen two and also fights out of ohio this is yeah. a relatively quick turnaround for you how much are you looking forward to getting back in the lfa cage i'm so excited um it's so funny too that i'm fighting diamond so they had told me maybe like a few weeks after, because I obviously after my loss, I was just, you know, like a fucking, like a wounded animal, just any loss. You're just like, what the, I just blew it, dude. And they were like, no, like you, like we want you back. Like you fought hard. Like um, you can drop down a weight class. And I remember they messaged and said they had a Kentucky card. I'm like, I got to get on that. That's close. Like I don't have to fly sign me up for that one. I I will be there. And they kept saying that people falling through and I didn't think I was going to get on. They were like, we can't, you know, the people we had. And I've known, I know diamond, like, I mean, like we've even talked about training before we were supposed to train together before her LFA fight and just like timing didn't work out. And I had saw that she had burnt her hand, like where she grabbed something like she was in the hospital and everyone's joke, like, you and Diamond should fight because we all train, you know, we know people. And I was like, we are not fighting. Like, we, <laughs> like, we're, why would we fight for LFA when we could have fought on a local card years ago? Like, we're not, that's dumb. And they're like, hey, she said, yeah, she said she wants to fight you. And I was like, fuck it, I guess it's business. Like, I like her. So it's just, it's just funny, I think. I'm like, who would have thought, like, me and her? we were never the same weight class, I, I don't think, as amateurs. I think she was she goes all over the place. So I was just cracking up. I was like, okay, cool. Like, we'll fight. <laughs> Does it make it harder to compete against someone that you're relatively close to compared to someone that you dislike maybe or maybe not even aware of? Yeah, I think it does. But with <sighs> – it's funny. It is because we're not super close. We've never trained together, like hung out or anything. So I wouldn't call us friends. There's no, definitely no bad blood, but our teams talk a lot. I mean, Gary Young, like her coach, I mean, we have guys that cross train and from his gym. So we're very, like, we all know each other very well. So it's weird. Like, I'm not going to be like, fuck this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be like, I'm going to kick your ass. I mean, I am, but I don't want to 
I'm not going to talk badly about her. She's a nice person and she's out here trying to do the same thing. Just go out. It's a business. But no, I wouldn't want to fight like someone I was very good friends with unless it was like a freaking UFC title or something crazy like that. But yeah, I was just surprised. I'm like, okay, I'm fighting Diamond. Like could have done this in 2014. <laughs> I feel like you're a fighter that would enjoy some bad blood between you and your opponent. I made well, I did. I first off, I can't do a lot of shit talking. I'm a cop. Like, can you imagine? Like, sure. oh my god, the media would just tear me up. They hate cops already. So if I even said one thing, they'd be like, "This bitch is crazy." Like, I can see it now. But I remember my amateur days. I fought some girl out of Michigan, and this is when Michigan was like the wild west. Like, they were just back alley, like non-sanctioned fights. And I show up to weigh-ins. Like, uh, just normal because it was day of, and I had my hair braided and stuff, and her team went live, and they were like, this this lesbian bitch, like, she's going to just going in on me. And I was like, I'm just like, what the hell? And then I get I TKO'd her, and then uh, it, just, it was wild. I'd never had someone, like, they were mean, like, bullying me. I was like, what the fuck, dude? Like... And I didn't even see it. I think Chelsea was like, Chelsea and her, me were good training partners then. But that was the only time I had bad blood. Other than that, like, my last amateur fight, we were eating donuts together after weigh-ins. Like, <laughs> like, we were cool. So maybe I could see some bad blood. Some people have to do that. I don't like to fight mad. I'm a happy fighter. Like, I'm, I want to be excited and have, like, positive energy going in, like, that's how I flip my switch. So I don't want to go in and have anger towards you. Like, cause that only is going to take me so far fighting angry. Well, at least you put that one fighter in her place with that TKO <laughs> win for <laughs> this f- upcoming fight at LFA 160. 99% of people on Tapology have predicted you to win on Friday. How do you see this fight going down between you and diamond? Um, I do think I'm, I don't think the predictions or anything. I, I don't even look at that because those people don't know me or her. I think I'm going to win. I think I'm going to take her down. It's no secret. She knows exactly. Like, our teams know each We all know each other. So, she knows I'm a wrestler. I know she's a boxer. Like, she's been boxing. I know she hits hard. I don't think she's going to hit as hard as my last girl. That fucking sucked. And uh, so, I know she's going to have hands. I know she's going to be striking. And she knows I'm going to be coming for the takedown. So, I'm sure there's going to be knees coming up the middle or maybe a lot of movement, like backpedaling kind of thing to keep the distance. So, I'm going to try to just stay calm and not rush anything. But I see me getting the takedown and just staying on top on the bottom and getting to work. Yeah, that sounds like a winning game plan to me. As I continue to immerse myself into the MMA scene in Ohio, I think it's fair for me to say that I can't wait for LFA 160 for a variety of reasons, and I'm looking forward to it more than most you know, UFC cards or pay-per-views at this point. What does it mean to you to fight on such a stacked card full of Ohio's really just best prospects they have to offer right now? Oh my God, I'm, so, I'm pumped. Um, I think it's also going to help my mindset. I even joked with... Chelsea, because when I was when I found out I was fighting Diamond, she was also training with Diamond, like some boxing. And we joked. I'm like, dude, you can be Switzerland. I don't care if you train with both of us. Like we know each other's game. There's not there's no secrets going into this. But I was like, it'll be kind of nice. Like whatever locker room I'm in, I'm going to know somebody like I'm going to have some other teammates and just like the hype behind it. It makes it feel almost like it's in one of my Amy local fights again. And not as stressful. Like, I'm just, 
I know it's important. I know it's a, a big fight and just the opportunity to fight for LFA again. I don't want to put too much pressure like I did last time and then not fight or fight scared that I'm going to make a mistake. So I think it's uh, it's definitely going to help my nerves. Yeah, I can't wait for LFA 160. Like I said, I can't wait to see you compete alongside Ohio's best that they have to offer. Before we wrap up, Jade, anything you want to shout out or plug here on the podcast? The floor is yours. No, just my team and people supporting me. Um, this The fight game's hard, man. And and when you lose, it's nice to have people that are still in your corner and they, they get that it's a, it's a game of chances. Anything can happen in a cage. So I just appreciate people supporting me no matter what happens and coming along for the ride. Well, thanks again, Jade, for joining me on the show. I mentioned how it was long overdue in the intro, but I don't think I could have picked a better female to feature on the podcast first. And what a a fun conversation this was. Before I let you go, I always end interviews on Forge in Ohio with the OHIO chant. So help me out here. OHIO! Thank you, Jade. I can't wait to see you compete at LFA 160. I wish you the best in that contest, and hopefully we can do this again sometime soon. Yes, definitely. Thanks for having me on. That was Jade Sheely, the first female athlete to join me on Forged in Ohio, and she'll be one of many. I can't thank her enough for joining me on the show, and I hope you enjoyed learning about her story and career as much as I did asking about it. Her story is one of a kind, her commitment is one of a kind, and I can't wait to see Jade fight alongside many great fighters representing Ohio at LFA 160. Thank you all for tuning into this episode of Forge in Ohio. If you haven't already, make sure to check out the podcast on social media at Forge in Ohio on both Instagram and Facebook. Also, don't forget to download episodes and share them with friends as well. I'll talk to you all in a week's time for another episode. Until then, I've been your host, Jake Murrin, and this was Forged in Ohio.